Please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. Maybe the last time we're turning to 1 John. <laughs> 1 John chapter 5, we began looking at verse 20 last week. And uh, what I'd like to do is, um, let me just quickly remind you, remember again that we're looking at cer uh, Christian certainties. The Apostle John is saying there are things that we need to know. As he concludes his epistle, he's saying there are things we need to know. The first thing that we need to know in verse 18 was what? That anybody that is born of God resists sin. We should be resilient to it, but <laughs> it comes, doesn't it? All right, but, you know, it does, does not sin. Okay, when he says it does not sin, it doesn't mo does not make a practice of sinning. Amen? And the next thing that he said is that you need to know what your divine origins are, that you are born of God. Amen? And we looked at that the time before, and then we got to verse 20, and the next certainty was to do with Jesus Christ. When he said, and we know that the Son of God has come. He said, we're not guessing, we know this. Amen? And he says, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him, that is the Father, who is true. So that we don't have to guess about God. That we can know definitely what God is like, who God is. Amen? And we see that in the Son so much of the time. Now, what I want to do is... Um, we were right in the middle of, of this verse, so let, let me just sort of try to catch you up a little bit. Do, maybe I need to do that, huh? All right. <laughs> um, remember I said, I'll just bring a few things out. Remember again that uh, I said this before. Uh, this was a quote from I. Howard Marshall. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Just the first part where it says, It remains true that Christianity is a religion based on revelation. Remember I said that that was such an important point because this is not about head knowledge. This is not about you knowing something in your head. Amen? This is about knowing stuff in your heart. Because if you believe, that's when the mountains move. In your heart. Amen? Okay, you can know stuff in your head and mountains will stay there. You can know that a mountain should move and it will still stay there. Because it's not in your heart yet. Amen? All right. So that was something that, that was of significance. Also, the, the verb to know in this clause, remember again, denotes knowledge we acquire by close association. And I said this before, that it's in the fellowship we have with God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. That's how we come to know His truth. And again, I said before, we learn to know what belongs to God and, oh, excuse me, yeah, what belongs to God and what comes from Satan. God is true. Now, remember, we looked at the nature of God, and we also said that the more we get to know God, the more we get to understand and be able to distinguish between the devil and God. You know, some people don't know God so much, and, you know, they say crazy things like, oh, God's doing this to me, and God's testing and trying me like he has nothing else to do with this time, but give us more grief down here. <laughs> you know, we're already living in a fallen world. What kind of a father gives you more problems? I'm serious, family. You know, we really need to think about this. And so, again, we, we dealt with some of these things last week, so I don't want to get back into it. But we need to understand, this is why Jesus came to give us an understanding. Can I put it a different way? Jesus came and said, understand this. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But understand that I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. And whatever I say, I say what the Father says and I do what the Father does. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen. I think we're going to look at that today. Yes, we are. Okay. So, <laughs> in fact, let's just go there, shall we? Let, let's go there. Hallelujah. Did I lose my spot? Oh, yeah. All right. 
Last time we, we left off uh, looking at, um, I, I actually brought a verse out to you. I didn't give you the reference. First John chapter 2, verse 27. First John chapter 2, verse 27. This was in relation to something that Simon J. Kistemacher had said, and we'll start here and we'll move from here. When he said, in a world of deceit and falsehood, God has revealed himself in the Son as the one who is true. God has not forsaken us to the powers of darkness, but has endowed us with the ability to discern truth from error. Now that's actually found in 1 John 2.27, where the Apostle John had already said, by, by the anointing which you have received from him, uh, abides in you and you do not need excuse me he says but okay but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and he says you do not need that anyone teach you but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things so in other words he's saying there are some things that you will just know on the inside what's true and not you know where that goes away do you know why we lose that because people teach us wrong things and then we go against what we initially, think about this now for a minute, okay? I just really want you to think about this. Do you know that when you first were born again, you had an inherent understanding of what God was like and who God, you know, who God was to you? When I first got saved, I just knew that God was good. That's how I came in. I was puzzled and surprised. I was a Buddhist, okay? <laughs> I was puzzled and surprised how Christians who should have known God said, oh, God's doing this to me. And that never sat with me. And I would sit and listen to stuff like that. And I would go, that's not you. Isn't that interesting? So instead of giving in to that teaching, I, re <laughs> I rebelled against it. <laughs> okay? I thought, I don't, this is not right. You know, and I, we used to even go to uh, another church and, and whenever stuff came up, I'd be re-preaching the whole message on the drive back. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, and, and I still remember I said to God, Lord, you know, can you find me a church that teaches this right? I said, I can't find one. I looked everywhere. And, you know, and he said, <laughs> you know, God, he said, you got a problem, start your own. Ah, uh, no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? We always have suggestions, but we don't do anything about it. <laughs> okay. And uh, anyway, long story short, here we are. But <laughs> that's the reason why, you know, because I had issue with a lot of things. I, I kept thinking, God, you are being misrepresented down here. People still don't know who you are. And in, see, when you listen to a lie and you train yourself in that direction, then you start swallowing all the other lies that go with it. Uh -huh, amen. Doesn't stop one place. It just keeps going, family. And that's the reason why we need to know the truth. And we need to understand which voice is God's and which voice is the devil's. And there is an anointing within you that will let you know. And the only way that that thing can be corrupted is by false teaching. That's why, you know, the, uh, the apostle Paul talked to Timothy and he said, you know, to teach the rightly divided word. Because obviously, even in his day, there was a wrongly divided word that was coming out. You know, whenever they say rightly divided, means there was another one. There was another side to it. There was something wrong. Amen. <sighs> okay. So we were looking at the close relationship again. Uh, let, let me go back to uh, the first part of First John 5 and verse 20. And he says, remember again, he says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him, that is the Father, who is true. Let's look at, let, 
turn to uh, John chapter 14. Let's look at some verses there. I made reference to this and I said, let's go there and look at it. <coughs> John chapter 14. We're looking at the close relationship between the Father and the Son. The reason why the Son was able to give us an understanding of the Father. Okay? John chapter 14, beginning in verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want you to notice that there is no wiggle room in that. <laughs> okay? Some people say, well, there's all kinds of ways you can get to God. Well, according to Jesus, there was only one. Now listen, you either believe him or you don't. You can't call him a good man and say that he was lying. Uh, you know, some people say, well, I don't believe that Jesus was God, but I think he was a good man. Well, good people don't go around lying, especially not this kind of bore-faced lie. <laughs> okay? I mean, who stands up and says, oh, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Nobody gets to the Father except through me. I just lied. Uh, no, you can't say stuff like that. And say you're a good person if that was a, just a total lie. That's misleading. <laughs> okay? All right. Verse 7. Watch now. Gets worse. Okay? He says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. Now, let's pause here for a second. Again, Jesus came to give us an understanding of God. And he's saying something very significant. He's saying, if you know me, then you know the Father. Now, this is key, all right? Which means the other way around as well. If you know the Father, you know me. You know Jesus is going to make mention of that fact as well. He'd say, if you knew the Father, do you know why he would say things like that? Because the Father would confirm, this is my Son. Just like when you're sitting and listening to something that is of God, the Lord will say, that's right. Listen to that. That's important. Get that. And also, if it ain't right, he'll go, don't listen. Something is wrong. Get up and leave if you have to. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> okay. Now, I wouldn't do stuff like that because, you know, I'm respectful. But, you know, I take my Bible out and read something. Today, you can log into your phone and watch me. <laughs> and they don't need to know nothing, okay? All right, no. Uh, family, let me just say this once again. You know, my, my job is to get you to the place that you believe. Because I, I keep saying this to you over and over again. If you can believe, then everything will become possible. If you can't, for whatever reason, somebody have, has talked you out of believing, then it won't work. It's simple as that. These signs only follow those who believe. They don't follow apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and really sincere people. <laughs> I want to throw that one in too. Okay? It, it's whoever believes. Amen? Remember in Hebrews, it talks about that. Okay, we won't go there today. He says again here, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. And Philip said, I'm in verse 8 now, John 14, 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. In other words, you know, something very significant is happening here. Jesus is literally saying, every conversation you've had with me, you've actually had with the Father. <laughs> the whole time you've been talking to me, you've been talking to him. Every time you complained, it was him. He heard that too. <laughs> okay? 
You know, and if I could put it this way, and this is a very earthly um, illustration. This isn't the way it is. It's, it's a lot deeper than this. But just imagine if I had a little button cam, okay? And everything that you're saying to me, you know, you, I'm working for a company and so are you. And you have issues with the company. And so I'm sitting down with you and I'm having lunch and I've got a little button cam and this thing goes straight up to the CEO. And you're sitting at lunch with me and going, oh my God, this company, I hate this company. It's so terrible. Just don't tell the CEO, okay? Guess what? He heard everything, including don't tell him. <laughs> Do you all understand? If that, my, my response would be, oops, you already told him. If you've told me, you've told the CEO. He can see and hear. Now, I told you this is just a very earthly illustration, but I need you to understand something. Jesus was trying to make a point here. He's saying, listen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've spoken to me, you've spoken to him. If I have spoken to you about something, that's the Father speaking to you directly. Amen. This isn't secondhand. This is coming directly God to God, you know, from God the Father to God the Son. And then you're getting the benefit of that. All right. So anyway, that, that was what I was going to... It was important, okay, you got that. Okay, again, we're seeing the close relationship between God the Father, God the Son. So again, Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you, yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? In other words, he's saying it's a ridiculous request. Amen. It's like somebody jumping in the water and saying, can I get wet now? <laughs> if you jumped in, you're wet. It's a silly thing, <laughs> okay? So notice again, firstly, how close relationship the father has with the son and secondly the way in which the father revealed himself through the son to where Jesus actually said again he who has seen me has seen the father accordingly father accordingly I Howard Marshall says that one cannot have the father listen one cannot have the father unless one also has the son now this is really key okay you can't have the father apart from the son not all roads lead to God. There is only one way. Jesus said, I am that way. That truth, that life, whatever you need, this is the way to get there. Amen? And so again he says, one cannot have the Father unless one also has the Son. For the Father and the Son are so closely joined to each other that the Father cannot be known apart from the Son, nor the Son apart from the Father. I need to stop there for a minute. Okay, you can't know God unless you know Jesus. And you can't know Jesus, listen, unless you know God. How does that work? See, you need spiritual ears to hear. You need to be open to God in order for you to actually hear what the Son is saying. That's the reason why, you know, Jesus said to the Pharisees of his time, he said, if you'd, if you'd known the Father, you would know me. Because the Father would be saying, this is my Son, listen to him. Isn't that what he said at the baptism? Isn't that what he said to Peter on the mountaintop? Hear ye him. This is my son. Stop talking, Pete. Listen to him. That's right. <laughs> okay? That's a loose Roche translation. But, okay, you, you know, he said it over and over again. That's the reason why they recorded that stuff. Not just to say that, ooh, God spoke from heaven. Ooh, that was an amazing day. We had lots of pizza that day. No, it wasn't any of that stuff. It was to say that God was confirming this was my son. 
Amen? He was saying, this is my son. Listen to him. So that's how God, you know, you, you know Jesus through God, and also you know God through Jesus. Because once God says, listen to him, then he will tell you what God is like. See the circle? Amen? Somebody got it, somebody didn't. Some kind of branched off somewhere. Okay, anyway, never mind. Listen to this again. Okay, all right. <laughs> Since it is the Son who came to be the revealer, it follows that the only way to the true God is through belief in the Son. Do you understand that now? If you don't believe the Son, you'll never know about the Father because that was His job. Do you know that Jesus is called the Word? Do you know what words do? They reveal things. Right now, you know what's on my heart because I'm speaking words to you. If I, if I stood here and And that's the end of the sermon. Thank you. He'd go, what, 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 what happened? He didn't say, well, speak words. Use your words. <laughs> okay? That's why Jesus is called the Word of God. Do you know, isn't that interesting? By, by the Word were all things made and also the Word reveals. It not only creates, it reveals. Isn't that interesting? Amen? <laughs> My wife might know what I was thinking, but... <laughs> oh, the rest of you Buckleys. No, anyway. <laughs> <So> <laughs> where was I? All right, to believe in the Son. All right, it is equally true that a person who believes in the Son is, is necessarily of necessity brought into fellowship with the Father. You can't have... A relationship with God without having a relationship with Jesus. And you can't have a relationship with Jesus without having one with God. Isn't it interesting how this whole thing is just tied together? That's why people that try to separate the Son from the Father is literally trying to separate the wet from the water. You can't. Are you all with me? You get the Father, you get the Son. You get the Son, you automatically get the Father. That's, that's the other reason why, you know, people that, that, that sort of seem to be more inclined towards Jesus, sometimes the Son, and everything is about Jesus, and everything is about, you know, and they kind of forget the Father. Guess what? Whenever they're speaking about Jesus, they're speaking about the Father. And those people that, you know, have more of a thing, you know, with the Father, and Jesus is kind of like a distant whatever, Guess what? When you talk about the Father, you're talking about the Son as well. That's why he's trying to tell us something here. Listen, the two of them are, are so closely joined together. Whenever you make mention of one, you're making mention of the other. If you say, look at the, the miracles that Jesus did, you can very easily say, look at the miracles that God the Father did. Did you all get that? And whenever you're saying, oh, God be praised, you are talking about the Son as well. Moving on. <laughs> so returning to 1 John 5, verse 20. Notice how the Apostle John goes on to say there again, and we are in him, this is the second part now, okay, who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. Now this is amazing. This is a very powerful thing. In his commentary, Colin G. Cruz says that the one who is true, the one whose Son is Jesus Christ. So the first thing we need to understand, he's saying, listen, the one who is true, the God who is true, the true God, his son is Jesus. There's no way around this one. <laughs> okay? You can't say, well, I believe in the true God, but not, you know, not, not Jesus. He has said, this is my son. You believe in him, then you need to believe what he says. Right. Amen? Okay. 
So again, he says, the one who is true is the one whose son is Jesus Christ. However, what the author wants to stress is that those who, who believe are actually in him who is true. Notice, we are in him who is true. Notice that, okay? That is, in, go, in uh, God the Father, because they are in his son, Jesus Christ. See, this is something really interesting. I spoke to you about this before. But when we are in him who is true, we are in the son. The son is in the father. You know what? Let me just read it because I think I, I bring this out. Do I do it here or do I do it somewhere else? I'll explain it to you. We'll get to it. When I read it again, just act surprised. No. Okay. <laughs> Listen, in, in being in Jesus, I'm kidding. Right, in being in Jesus, Jesus is in God. Okay? So when you're in the Son, you are automatically in the Father. You can't say, well, I want to be in the Son. I don't want to be in the Father. Too late. If you're in one, you're in the other. In fact, that's the only way to get in there. Is through, you know, so I think, was it? Somebody said the only way in is the only way out is the only way in. Anyway, you know, it was talking about this kind of reality. It was talking about the only way out of this madness is through him. It's the only way into God. Okay, and, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. Some people make their songs so clever nobody understands them. And, uh, you know, the whole point is lost then. Anyway. <laughs> The expression, in him who is true, even in his son Jesus Christ, denotes a new and real spiritual existence that every believer enjoys, which is affected through the agency of the Spirit. There is no being in God without being in his son Jesus Christ. Are we all getting this? Amen? Okay. The Apostle John learned this from what Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 20. And that is, at that day you will know that I am in the Father. Here it is. Okay. He says, at that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. In other words, here it is. If we are in Christ, okay, you in me, all right? If we're in Christ, and Christ is in God, I am in the Father, okay? Then by extension, we're in God. Amen? Okay. Since we've looked at this, we looked at this in detail. I'm not going to go over it again. Let's continue on to the last part of the verse. Okay. Verse 20 and the last part, it goes on to say, This is the truth. Literally the real, true, and genuine God and eternal life. So he's saying this is where, if you want to find eternal life, this is where you find it. This is the only place you're going to find it. <laughs> Amen? If you're looking somewhere else, you're not going to find it. To this, I, Howard Marshall writes, Today, it is fashionable <laughs> to imagine that religion and morality are separate and independent. One can be good and righteous without belief in Jesus as the Son of God. John would remind us that apart from Jesus Christ, there is no real understanding of the truth and no power to live according to the truth. You know, there are two very important things he br brings out here. No real understanding of the truth. Because everybody says, well, what is true? Well, it's different for me than for you. No, no, no. There is a universal truth. Do you understand? And you need to know what that truth is. We all need to be lined up with that. And I want you to notice also the second thing he says, power to live according to that truth. There's a lot of people today, you know, this is where the religion, religion differs with Christianity, okay? True Christianity. And that is people know what the right thing to do is, 
but they don't have the power to do it. Do you know why? Because there is an unseen agent that attacks them constantly, that drives them, that pushes them, that bullies them into doing things that they regret. So you know what, and that's when their regret comes, because you know that what the right thing to do is, and you don't do it. Do you know, the thing that God does for us is he not only tells us what the right thing to do is, then he empowers us to do it. Oh, hallelujah. And part of that empowering, uh, let me just, uh, this is not in the okay. Part of that empowering is giving you wisdom. Sometimes you kind of need to have an insight and an understanding about why not to do something. Is it you, God? Are you just trying to, you know, poop my party, you know? It's not that. He's saying, listen, if you do this, all of these things are going to happen. You go, oh, God, <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. That settled it, <laughs> okay? So he'll give you wisdom. He'll give you understanding. He'll give you the power to do what is right. Not just tell you what, what is right, but also give you the power to do it. I think that is tremendous. Hallelujah. And I'm, one, one of the things also, you know, there's deliverance as well. I know people used to come to this church that, that you know, they used to smoke and drink and everything, and it just kind of fell off of them. <laughs> While they were here, they just, and they would say, oh God, you know, I don't, I don't smoke anymore, I don't drink, and it just like, it just went away. <laughs> and they left the church and it all came back. <laughs> Sadness, <laughs> okay? See, it's the power of God. Isn't that interesting? They didn't have to try, they didn't say, well, bless God, because I never tell them to stop. Because if I preach the truth, the power will come and <laughs> it'll take care of it. Absolutely. Amen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, the, like the guy that came up and said, you know, he come up to this preacher and said, I want to get saved, but I want to keep doing all the things I'm doing. Preacher was really smart. He goes, yeah, sure, no, no problem. <laughs> Got him saved and the guy comes back about six weeks later. You lied to me. He goes, what did I lie to you about? He, you never told me that when I got saved, that all this stuff will suddenly not, not taste so good anymore. I don't like doing it anymore. What did <laughs> Too late, dude. You're in. Okay, so <laughs> okay. That's the power of God, family. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, back to this. Uh, so for the last time, John hammers home the point. He, Jesus, is the true God and eternal life. Here, as in the Gospel of John, John declares that Jesus is the true God. Amen. John's Jesus is the one who said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, we saw this, and I am the way, the truth, and the life. It is no doubt that this passage is what John has in mind as he writes these words. Amen? As one commentator observes, for here the full identity of Jesus with God is recognized without reserve. I really like this. This seems to occur intentionally at the end of the letter, at the climax of the triumph, uh, triumphant expression of faith. It is hardly an accident that it is precisely at the beginning and at the end of the Gospel of John that the light of Jesus' divinity shines forth most fully. In other words, John started out by saying, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He is God right now. And at the end he says, and it was God who was with us, and it was God who died on that cross for us. Amen. And it is God that's seated at the right hand of God the Father. <laughs> okay? See, we had God on both ends of this. You know, as I've said to you before, Jesus didn't stop becoming God at the cross. 
what he did was he allowed his life. Remember he said, no one can take my life. I give it up. You know, I lay it down, I pick it up. And he did both, didn't he? He laid it down on the cross and he picked it up three days later. (laughs) Okay? You know, it's one thing for somebody to come and raise you from the dead. It's another thing for you to raise yourself. That's a little hard. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, there's a revelation in that if you want it. All right, so... uh, (laughs) Continuing on, let's finish this. Because uh, what, what was the I, I missed the time card. Okay, we can do this in seven minutes. All right, let's continue on to the last verse, verse 21. Yeah, we got to the end. Hallelujah. <laughs> and he says, Your little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. And we all went home. No. <laughs> there is a tremendous revelation here, family. Let me give it to you, okay? First of all, the Greek word for keep is literally guard, and it denotes a decisive action, meaning that we need to be actively and steadfastly guarding against and keeping ourselves from any kind of idol, idolatry, creeping into our life. Did you hear that? Okay. From a historical standpoint, we know that Christians constantly face the pagan world and idol worship which at the time was a big part of business and a way of life. And it's evident in, uh, as is evident in Acts chapter 19, verse 24, the latter half of verse 24 says, A certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. Boy, they were making lots of money. And so, you know, it was in a time when all of this, I mean, today we've got that as well. It comes in different forms. But it's still there. People still have idols. They still have things, you know, that that they allow into their heart in a way that they shouldn't. Can I say it that way? There's only one, one thing that belongs in your heart, family. It's God and then all the people that you love. I said one thing, but you're only one thing. Okay, all right? It's people. It's not things. Things don't belong in there. People do. God does. God first, then all the people, okay? Remember Jesus? He said, love God, love one another. Those are the two. You keep them. You got it all, okay? All right. So, uh, so it's no surprise that idols were readily available everywhere and everything that went with it. And why the Apostle Paul had to say to believers in Acts 15, 29, that they abstain from things offered to idols. He actually says that, all right? In fact, he goes as far as to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Now see, there is something, isn't it? He says, what, notice, agreement has the temple of God with idols. Don't you know that you are the temple of God? So we need to be careful you know, about idolatry in our life. We need to be careful that we don't allow things in that don't belong in the Holy of Holies. Amen. And I, li- I love it that he says that you are the temple of the living God. In other words, you put something in there, there's a living God in there going, what is this? <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> okay. Where'd that come from? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is for this very reason that the Apostle John says again, keep yourselves from idols. Now, further to this, in his commentary, Simon J. Kistemach also says, we cannot rule out the possibility that John means that idols are false conceptions of God. Now, listen to this as well, okay? 
Then we see that John's warning to test the teachings of false prophets harmonizes with his final admonition. Guard yourselves, says John, from idols. He urges believers to abstain from any form of worship that draws them away from Jesus Christ. Do you know that is idolatry as well? Any kind of worship that draws you away from the Son, that draws you away from God the Father, that could be even worship, listen to me, that is just worldly, has Christian words to it. You know, I've been to places that, you know, they have praise and worship, and you don't know whether you're in a nightclub or whether you're in a church. The only difference is the words. But the way everybody behaves, it doesn't look like church. Now, I'm not one of those stick in the muds, okay? I get up and boogie with Jesus and my guitar. I write all the fast songs. Yeah, every time I get up here, everybody's dancing. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a stick in the mud. But, dear God, there are some things you just think, I don't think that's godly dancing. Mm. If it is, it's another religion. <laughs> Come on, you all know what I'm talking about. See, it's not the movement. Listen very carefully because, you know, I, I was... I was Watching a, um, a praise and worship, I, I, I look at different things, okay? Uh, and uh, I was looking at some people, and all they were doing was this. And because, because they, you know, they were saying you can't do this and stuff, because, you know, that, that all could be construed as, as, as some, you know, worldly dancing. Uh, yeah, so is that. You go to a tribe in Africa, that's what they do. So how, <laughs> you know, so how is that different to the world? You see, people get caught up in physical things. When Jesus always said, God is spirit, he looks on the heart. Do you understand? I don't care how you're dancing. If your heart is true, we'll know. If your heart ain't, we know as well. Even if you're swaying. <laughs> okay? And somebody else is just booging on this, you know, all over the place. I mean, some of them black people can really dance. And they dance godly. I mean, they can dance the other way too, but I've seen a man when they're dancing godly, they dance godly. And you want to just rejoice. It draws your attention to God, not anything else. I have one minute, I have to hurry up. Okay, maybe I should have taken a whole lesson on this one. Accordingly, John MacArthur goes a step further and says that John contrasts the term idols with true God. Of, ver of verse 20. He has reference here to the false teachers who withdrew from the brotherhood which, uh, with which they had been formerly associated. Their false beliefs and practices are the idols from which the readers are commended to protect themselves. The false teachers upheld the world's philosophy as superior to God's revelation as demonstrated in their uh, perversion of basing Christian teaching, teaching such as faith, love, and obedience. So, He's reiterating what I've said to you, basically, all right? He's saying just, you know, he's saying be careful. Be careful of what you're listening to. Be careful of who is getting in your ear and therefore in your heart. Be careful that it is not uh, preaching a false message about God in any way or form. Amen? That you're not being misled. Because that will lead to a powerless life. To a fruitless life. 
I have to, I have to hurry up. Therefore, as I. Howard Marshall puts it, John warns against being misled into the worship of any other alleged manifestation or representation of God. Amen? It is up to each of us to guard against anything and everything that takes the place that is rightly due to God. And that includes any well-known objects or false devotion as well. Something that is different for everyone. And why you need the Holy Spirit to determine what those things are. See, I can't tell you. I, I know people that get up and say, oh, you got to throw your TV away and throw this away and throw that away. Don't do stuff like that. You have to throw your TV away, obviously. Don't take your stuff and put it on everybody else. You know, you could have trouble with TV. Somebody else has trouble with my precious. <laughs> okay? They don't care about TV. You told them to get rid of the wrong thing. And then they become all self-righteous. Oh, I got rid of my TV. Oh, <laughs> I see you have yours still on. Mm, yeah. You know, uh, you know what? You judged. And Jesus said, don't judge. Amen. Listen, family, you need to determine what's pulling you away from God. You need to determine. And you know, there are things that are there. You can enjoy things. I told you, as long as they stay out here, not in there. Make sure they stay out here. Amen. And if God in here begins to speak to you, turn the thing off. He needs to talk to you. Time to listen. Well, God, it's not prayer time yet. <laughs> every, every, every time is prayer time. You should be talking to him constantly. You know, you should try watching a movie with him. He will tell you all kind of cool stuff about it. I'm saying that and moving on. Okay, because somebody's going to misunderstand what I've just said. Anyway, uh, in the end, the fact of the matter is, we'll finish here, Jesus Christ is God, and any other thought is idolatry. And why the Apostle John concludes this remarkable epistle again by saying, 1 John 5 and verse 21, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word, and we thank you, Father.